0: Why, hello there. It's Chappie, your dearest host, the British Butler. And this little nonsensical interruption is Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's episode number 90. 90? How did we get this far? So I'm bringing you the episode today. Could I be recording it in the future? Or could I be recording it in the past? I, uh, I certainly slipped into my podcasting TARDIS. And um, m- more like a t- sort of Tom Baker uh, ruffled hairdo, uh, long flowing uh, scarlet, or maybe more of a maroon morning coat, uh, long scarf with question marks on it. I am uh, the Doctor Who uh, of the podcasting world. Um, hopefully, there'll be no interruptions from the Master, the Daleks, or any uh, Cybermen or any Cyber trolls. Uh, let me put it that way. Over the course of the next hour. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I've got my uh, my cleaning hat on, uh, and my cleaning gloves on. Um, I've got the brass sew out again, uh, cleaning and polishing all the brass, uh, borax soap, uh, maybe some Vim, some flash, some some old fashioned stuff you use to shake. Not the shaken back. It's not nothing like the do the shaken and back and put the chappy back, do the shaken and back and put the chappy back. No, there's none of that going on. Uh, none of the shaken back. Actually, I couldn't shake him back even if I wanted to at the moment because my vacuum cleaner has gone kaput. Now I did take it into the bath with me to try to uh, wash out all of the tubes, uh, and that didn't. You know, a, a big gush through the tubes didn't remove the uh, wad of back hair, or could it be dog hair? Probably more like the dog hair that was uh, stuck amongst the uh, amongst the tubulicious uh, going on there. So, you know, luckily I finished vacuuming the house uh, just in time uh, as my vacuumer, vacuum cleaner broke. And uh, that's really the, the essence of the, the, the tale. Uh, If you're lucky enough to get your house clean before the vacuum cleaner breaks, and then you can always order a new one. Now this thing's sort of donkey's old, donkey years old. Um, You know, it's it's gone through the ringer. It's had coat hangers down the pipes. It's had uh, it's had a maybe one of those super soakers, uh, one of those super soaker uh, guns, trying to flush out all the hair and all the dirt and umska that uh, you get within the uh, within the pipes of the whole thing. Uh, so it's on its last legs. Uh, but, you know, as a butler, there's a lot of cleaning that goes on. A lot of white glove treatment, you know, where you're, you're running your finger along uh, the corners, making sure everything's dusted. I mean, Chappy ta- Towers is very, very old. So it does collect a lot of dust. And I am, you know, the Quentin Crisp uh, viewpoint that if you leave dust for three years, it's not going to get any worse. It may not, may not get any better, unless you sort of have an enormous sneeze or something along those lines, uh, to, uh, to to flush away all the dust and everything else. But yes, it, it, it's sort of like a spring-summer type cleaning effort here today. And uh, the Chappie Towers does smell a little bit uh, domesticated today. Uh, of uh, A little bit of bleach, uh, a little bit of old-fashioned uh, elbow grease. Um, and, um, it, you know, and, and there's lots less dog hair, back hair, gorilla hair, whatever other hair that we have uh, scattered around uh, the auspicious towers of uh, Chappie Towers here in Colorado. I was looking uh, up the whole thing of Vim. Now, Vim, Vim is this powdered detergent um, that, that I saw my, my father, Pater, used to use. Uh, when he was uh, scrubbing the uh scrubbing the sinks uh i mean it's a, like a coarse material i mean i think it could get it could block any pore it could probably uh uh clear nasal passages um get rid of acne uh, get rid of any imperfections because it's like you're basically scrubbing yourself with sand basically that that's that's the essence of the uh, of the vim and the and the and the flash and everything else. All these old-fashioned sort of borax soaps and all, all all the rest of it. I mean, it really does. You do feel very clean afterwards. Not just the items you're cleaning, but yourself, because it scours off a load of uh, a load of skin. It's almost like the perfect exfoliation uh, method. I mean, it's it really does. Uh, It really does make sure, you know, you're showing your master the work you've done. Because uh, the essence of uh, this probably Victorian scent, I mean, who knows when this is put together, but it was probably bygone's age uh, that they started using these uh, these cleaning products here. Uh, But nothing gets anything cleaner. I mean, I'm almost tempted to give the old undercarriage a bit of a scrub with it, but... uh, I don't know. I may become a eunuch in the, in the, you know, in the instance of doing that. So, probably not. Probably not a good idea. I would say. Uh, so here we go. Here we go again. Keep going. On cauliflower cheese. Episode ninety. And um, we've got some interesting topics here. Over the course of the next two, because we have another podcast coming on Saturday as well. We have the double whammy. Uh, my dearest. Slightly naughty, slightly devious, slightly impish. Daughters may be involved in that podcast, so I warn you now. You know, if you want to see Chappy the Butler knocked down, dispirited, uh, you know, probably uh, forlorn, then probably tune into that podcast because uh, uh, my, you know, my my oldest daughter certainly has a. A pretty sharp sort of acerbic type of tongue so she will uh she will cut me down to sizes, no doubt so anyway uh on the podcast today we have possibly the come finger that's followed me around since boarding school days um also um uh, itchy nose in the bedroom uh eskimo kisses how do you cure an itchy nose if your hands are somewhat occupied almost like if you're cleaning or something um then uh, you know then, then i have found a perfect solution to getting rid of the itchy nose syndrome when your hands are full i mean you can brush it on anything really you know you could give an eskimo kiss to the dog uh, brush it on a piece of cardboard uh, maybe a rough bit of wallpaper anything along those lines is it, it pretty much works out very very well Indeed. Um so we have uh, some more education and etiquette, uh, some more historical uh, tinder over the course of the next couple of shows. I'll be introducing to a, a little a new tune that uh, probably the youngsters shouldn't be ch- uh, humming, uh, but it's all right for the adults to hum I would say. Um, also, um, strange uh, Wi-Fi uh, names that I see when you're walking around and your phone's trying to connect to it all in sundry. I saw the, probably the perfect Wi-Fi name out there in, uh, in uh, suburban Colorado. Uh, also, the best way to lure Bigfoot. Uh, I, I want to build myself. Uh, it's not going to be a, a castle or a fort made of pillows or cushions I've got another item that I really want to to, to build a fort out of uh, over the uh, over the course of the coming weeks and there is a good reason why I will be building that fort. Uh, I've also found the perfect uh, sort of treat toy for human beings. you know we give uh, dogs rubber rings and bones and things we can put treats into I've, uh, I've actually come up with a perfect one uh, for uh, humans. We have the perfect way to cook pasta. Uh, Mateo uh, Zilonka's 15 Rules to Cook Pasta. Uh, New Yorkers shell out on jackfruit crab cakes and uh, fish-free sushi. Now that the lockdowns are finished here, I mean it's it, it's pretty much everything. Uh, everything's changing in this forever-changing world. Uh, a German farmer fights for his cockles' right to crow. Um, also, a little-known fact uh, in the uh, cricket uh, in the cricket world as well. My favorite uh, book title that I sent to my uh, my dear sister, whose uh, 40th birthday is coming up here. We'll be playing a little tune for you, matey, uh, over the course of the podcast. Many, many happy returns. Wish I, could, uh, wish I could be there. I don't know if there's enough room in the beach hut for me, though. Uh, I might get wedged in there and then take the beach hut with me wherever I go, forever, forever uh, yawns. Um, I mean, it's entirely possible I could have the beach hut uh, carried around on my broad shoulders for the rest of my life and uh, that's my, my end of days the beach hut would indeed probably end up being my coffin uh also uh i think black tea for the new black i'll be discussing that uh during the course of the pod- podcast as well uh, we do have some trump or trombone uh, where we take some of the most heinous headline crimes of the week and we uh, equate them to a, a raspy trump or a or, a, or an awful sort of sounding trombone uh, as well. Uh, but there we have uh, there we have the essence of the podcast here this week. Um, also the right way to make tea. And I've tra- changed my tea making habits uh, accordingly. Uh, but a burglar broke in last week. He didn't take the TV. Just the remote. Now he drives by and changes the channels. Sick bastard. So a woman made a costly mistake by selling a sofa worth... £14,000 for £350. We all love a bargain, don't we? Sometimes you just uh, have too much clutter and furniture. Tell me about it. I'm trying to move house at the moment. I have... I mean, I do need an old-fashioned rag and bone man to come around. I need Steptoe and Son to come around and take some of this stuff. I mean, stuff I've been hoarding for years. I mean, I I, I probably got clothes that may have not fit me since I was 18. I mean I've got a cumber band that uh, has lost all its elasticity and uh, now it's more like uh, something I'd wear around my head if I was playing tennis that's that's what I have I mean I'm finding things that went out of fashion uh, I mean a lot of these a lot of these collarless shirts that were fashion in the 90s I have several of those I have several cardigans that were probably fashionable back in 1978 um, sort of odd faded maroon styles of 1995 um i mean uh, trousers that uh, looks like there's been three or four drain pipes put up Then that's how wide the legs are although the wide legs coming back into fashion i don't know if uh, if the flared trouser is yet i don't have any of those i don't think i don't think i have any flared uh, but anyway the woman who sold it the sold the sofa uh shared on tiktok about how she sold a sofa for £350, only to discover later it was worth much, much, much more. The woman, uh, Jules Schreiner, is from the brilliantly named Carpensville, Illinois. She received the sofa for free, but decided to sell, on, sell it on. Jules was surprised when somebody bought the sofa within seconds. It wasn't until later she saw the buyer posted about a bargain buy on Instagram. They described it by saying it's Vladimir Kagan design, as anybody would know. Jules then went on to Google the name. She couldn't believe the results. Some of the sofas were reaching as much as $20,000, 14000 pounds. Ouch. It turns out Old Vladimir is quite the name when it comes down to sofas. Who knew? Not Jules, obviously. Jules wrote, "'Thought I had got a great deal "'on the uh, Facebook Marketplace,' But you know, things are always too good to be true. Sold a free couch. I put it on Facebook Marketplace for $500. A guy picked it up and bought it within seconds. Saw him post on the Insta. Looks looks up the brand on uh, Google. Then she wrote, "It's a $20,000 couch used." Nearly 94,000 people viewed the video. One person tried to make it feel better, saying, "It's very clearly not the same couch and brand. Very discolored. Being the same brand does not make it the same value." Uh, another wrote, in fairness, you all won from this. The person got rid of the couch for free. You made $500 and the last guy got a bargain. Win, 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 win. It does remind me of trying to get rid of old couches because they lose their shape. They lose their color. I mean, probably too many spillages, too many dog accidents over the years, too much food down. I mean, who wants an old, a disused couch? I mean, I've got some beautiful leather chairs that I picked up. Uh, well, I didn't pick them up, but... They, they're absolutely wondrous. I mean, what they were indeed a true bargain. Uh, but some of the other couches, I don't know. Uh, it reminds me of being at university where seriously, as a student, in my friend's houses, there were rats buried, ma- rats and mice, maybe both. Maybe they were both mating. It's like a sort of crossbreed mutant rat mouse uh, were breeding in the couch. And I could hear them rustling around, waking up, slightly hungover with this rustling, I thought it was my head rattling, but it was a mouse in the couch. A mouse where? Where? There? There on the stair, not on the stair, inside the student's couch. And then uh, another ended up in a bucket, and another was uh, incinerated in the kitchen in the toaster. Mmm, yummy. Okay, hello, uh, Pop Pickles, it's uh, Chavy here, and uh, we have 16 fun facts about redheads to mark World Redhead Day, mate. And that's this Wednesday, May 26th. Okay so hey redheads today wednesday may 26 is your day so washington you've got red hair it's time to celebrate but it's world redhead day and that's wednesday may 26. while national love your redhead day pops up every november redheads also get another unofficial holiday each may it's not clear where the holiday gets a start, but it becomes an integral part of the unofficial holiday calendar. I know we tried to save redheads just before Christmas, but they're still going. So no need to worry, people. The rarest kind of redhead. Having red hair and blue eyes is the rarest hair-eye color combination possible. The odds of a person having both of these recessive traits is around 0.17%. Instead, most redheads have brown, hazel, or green eyes. Uh, are redheads more delicate? Researchers believe redheads are more sensitive to pain because of their mutation in the gene MC1R that affects hair color. In 2004, a study showed that redheads on average need 20 percent more general uh, anesthesia than uh, people with dark hair or blonde hair color. Are redheads mostly right uh, or left-handed? A lot of redheads always or often end up being left-handed. Researchers believe one explanation is that both these characteristics are recessive traits and they often come in pairs. Those lucky people to get and celebrate World Redhead Day, Love Your Redhead Day on November the 5th and International Left-Handers Day on August 13th. So you've got three. You've got, if you're left-handed uh, with red hair, you can celebrate red hair twice, once in the autumn, once in the spring, and then Left-Handed Day as well. And then uh, we have the, uh, the whole redhead genetic situation. Um, scientists discovered eight genes that are liked and linked to red hair. Before it's believed that only one gene, MCL1, controlled red hair color. Now, research shows there are other genes involved. Both parents must carry the red-headed gene for a baby to have red hair. In order for a baby to have red hair, different versions of genes uh, called Ls uh, need to be present in both, according to the Stanford University. Even if a parent doesn't have red hair, they can still pass on uh, the red-headed gene to their child. Fun facts about red hair strands. Redheads have less hair and thicker strands than most people. On average it's believed that those with red hair have 90,000 strands while blondes have around 110,000 and brunettes have 140,000. Redheads are less likely to go grey. The pigment in red hair typically fades over time from red to blonde to white but not grey. Redheads produce more vitamin D in a shorter amount of time than people with other hair colours. Uh, Why does it seem like a lot of redheads are in commercials? There's a uh, proportionality. More redheads featured in commercials than in the world. In 2014, a study found that 40% of ads during primetime hours included somebody with red hair. Are redheads going extinct? Despite plenty of debunked studies that pop up around the internet every few years, redheads are not going extinct. Isn't there another holiday for redheads in November? Uh, yes, National Love Your Redhead Day, which occurs in November. See, I told you, we're trying to save redheads before Christmas. It was founded by Stephanie and Adrienne uh, Vendenti in 2011. The Natural Redheaded Sisters started the holiday to empower every redhead to feel confident to look amazing and rock their beauty. The push for National Love Your Redhead Day came after the Vendetti Sisters is a vendetta against the redheads but the vendetti sisters did set up this holiday noticed a rise in bullying of people with red hair so they've decided to create a day that give redheads a chance to love their hair and you can't call them redheaded stepchilds anymore and new zealand's redheaded festival is known as the world's largest annual gathering of redheads in 2020 the event was cancelled but organizers plan to have it in 2021 again so there we go more fascinating facts on the redheads Again, anybody who wants to send me any articles that they want, that they think may be amusing on the podcast, I'm very happy to share them with you, the listener. And uh, and uh, that was that was the whole red-headed, uh, red-headed... You can't accuse me of being biased against curly-headed British blonde-haired chaps because I always include the redheads. I, I, I often give the red-headed league... I mean, this is the whole thing. Sherlock Holmes... Or uh, well, Arthur Conan Doyle did write a story about the Redheaded League. I mean, this could be the next Marvel movie. I do feel like if they can get the rights to the Redheaded League, you could have an army of superheroes as the Redheaded League in, in maybe a, a newly produced uh, Arthur Conan Doyle inspired story for Marvel. So, itchiness is a common topic here on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. We had the itchy nipple syndrome the other week. Uh, But do you ever find yourself with an itchy nose? I mean, having a large nose and getting to the age where, you know, getting an influx of grown hair coming out of the nostrils, I think my nose and my nasal passages are itchier than the common or garden person. I'm not saying I'm special. I'm not saying I'm special or anything like that. But I do have an itchier nose than some. But I always find that I get an itchy nose at the time uh, in inopportune moments um so you know if i'm doing any sort of activity cooking and i have got both hands full maybe a ladle in one hand and a whisk in another or if i happen to be moving boxes which i've been doing a lot recently and all of a sudden i'm huge moving a huge box of uh, uh books and i start getting an itchy nose so the key i think for anybody who has an itchy nose the the key to this is, I mean, you could get yourself a nose scratcher, but then again, you've got the same situation. Both your hands are full at the time. So the key to this is finding somebody. It could be animal, vegetable, mineral. It could be an erect carrot or some sort of plant, or it could be a dog or a cat or your loving partner. It's finding somebody to have an Eskimo kiss, an inopportune, uh, completely out of the blue Eskimo kiss. When you have an itchy nose, you need an Eskimo kiss right there and there, so you need your nose scratched on another person's nose or some inanimate object to get rid of it. So I don't know if if, if, if scratching your nose on an inanimate object counts as an Eskimo kiss, but I'm going to say it does because at that moment you will do anything to rid the itch of your nose, and uh, and the Eskimo kiss is the way is the way forward. Two noses. Rubbing against each other does cure the itchy snout. We have a revelation. A new study says putting milk in your tea first makes for a better brew. Now, we're not going to give any credence to the lady who put water, milk, tea bag in the microwave. We're not going to give credence to that. I, I, I apologize. I'm not going to give credence to that. But this new study says putting milk in your tea first makes a better brew. Do you agree or is this sacrilege against tea? We love nothing better than discussing the best way to make tea. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast numerous, multitude of times. Debates have been raging for years on whether the hot milk or the milk, hot water or the milk should be added first. Now a new survey claims to have the answers. A new study has been carried out by hot tap manufacturer, INTU Boiling Water Taps. They found that putting milk Uh, in first makes for a better brew. Professor Alan Mackey, head of uh, School of Food and Nutrition of Leeds University, says milk should go in first to generate a much better flavoured and healthy cup of tea. There is an important thing to note though. Is your water soft or hard? Apparently, if you live in a soft water area, then the water first is fine. If you live in a hard water area, then milk first will make your tea taste better. They found a quarter of Brits prefer to add milk to their brew before hot water. A further quarter is undecided as which way round they prefer it. Professor Mackey explains that putting hard water in first results in the flavor and health compounds in your tea bag combining with the water that's precipitating out. The tannins in the tea are the bit that makes the taste of your tea. The research found hard water makes them solid before they can develop their flavor fully. Adding the milk to your tea at the start binds to those tannins and flavour compounds instead of hot water. The milk proteins lower the mineral content of the water. This locks in the flavour. You know what? I, I've i been trying this. I've tried this probably for about five cups of tea in the last few days. Just for you, the listener, I'm doing a little bit of a consumer study for you uh, to see which tastes better. And I... I I have to say i was very skeptical i almost f- felt that the tea gods would met, set me into a ball of flames for putting the milk in first then the tea bag and then the hot water but and for many years whenever i made a huge pot of tea you always put the milk in the cup first that's a that's a given but i'm just talking the single cup with the tea bag So the single cup with the tea bag I found that it actually tastes bloody good now it takes a little bit of time to brew maybe letting it brew longer maybe I have hard water here as well it's entirely possible but letting it brew that much longer made all the difference I mean it absolutely it really is a good cup of tea so I recommend trying to put the milk in first and then the tea bag and the hot water. Let it brew, and then you'll see the difference. And I will wholly admit that when I'm wrong, and I was wrong, I honestly thought it would be the worst thing in the world. But it turns out it could be one of the best. We all have had things that have followed us around since childhood I mean some of them a little bit more macabre some of them very amusing uh and some downright weird but I think that the come hither finger has followed me around since the dawn of time since coming out of the womb back on a rainy Tuesday in 1977 I I do think that I, I, I don't know I see people often get pulled aside or directed in a certain area but I get the come hither finger more often than not and I remember it started back in the school days where there's pointing and then the, uh, the you know the, the crooking of the finger and the come hither sort of motion and I get that more than I think anybody that I know I mean, it can be a, a wonderful thing sometimes, and it sometimes can be slightly ominous. Now, maybe it's because I'm just a sort of cheeky chappy. I fit the name very well. But I get the, uh, yeah, you do get the come hither finger where people are beckoning me, maybe to my doom, maybe to some sort of delight or an excitement, who knows. But I get it a lot more than the average common all garden bear, without a doubt and um and that and that's that's the sort of origin of the tale i don't know what it is about it but that sort of crook finger and the come hither motion is something that haunts me even to this day and i don't know why i get it more than anybody else so it's another time for education in etiquette so we're looking at some of the most bizarre forms of victorian etiquette and today we have street etiquette strict guidelines govern social interaction on promenades and public thoroughfares especially between the sexes a young unmarried woman would not be able to go out without an escort etiquette forbade young ladies from looking around for acquaintances or stopping to chat in crowded thoroughfares according to Hassel's household guide a comprehensive book on victorian life published in 1869 If the young woman did see a gentleman friend and felt she couldn't ignore him, she would have to take the initiative and offer her hand. The gentleman had to wait for the lady to recognize him before lifting his hat, not simply touching the brim. And he had to use the hand farthest from her. If she offered her hand, the gentleman had to turn to walk with the lady instead of stopping. And above all else, the conversation itself had to be reserved. Cassell dictates strict Uh, Reticence of speech in contact should be observed in public, without loud talking or animated discussions. A gentleman never smoked in the presence of a lady. Indeed, it would be impolite for ladies to detain gentlemen in conversation while they were smoking, because it would force him to put out a good cigar. Only under extreme circumstances could one perform the practice of cutting, in which you uh, stared directly at someone you knew with no sign of recognition. Cassell's called this the most ill-mannered act possible to commit in society. In a carriage ride, a gentleman never sat next to a lady who was not a relative. He always sat at the back to the horses, allowing the opposite seat to the lady. A gentleman also had to take care not to step on a lady's dress as as he was to alight first to help the lady down. Bigfoot has a huge part of the show. As you know, we often mention Bigfoot, sharks, tea, there's some of the key topics of Keep Calm and that cheese. but I was having a look and I saw an interesting article about if the Bigfoot trap works. Wonders of Wildlife optimistic about uh, the completion of a of a Bigfoot trap. According to a Bass Pro spokesman, Wonders of Wildlife should be completed if their numerous Bigfoot traps are successful. If no surprise that the Bigfoot exhibit would. Uh, be one of the big huge draws of the Ozarkin's Wonders of Wildlife in making the exhibit a main event. We're trying numerous tactics, said Jack Henderson. We have some boxes held up by sticks, attached to a piece of string. We also have some park rangers dressed up like sexy female Bigfoot equipped with a large cartoon-like mallet. Once they capture Bigfoot Wonders of Wildlife, has a big plans. First of all, we're going to chain Sasquatch to a wall for a sideshow event for the media. Then we're going to drive him mad with flashbulb photography. Finally, uh, after escaping, he will go on a rampage through the downtown, ending with a showdown on Hammond's Tower, which isn't the best plan. I mean, this sounds like an episode of Scooby-Doo. After the rampage, Bigfoot will be released into the Sasquatch sanctuary. Uh, so a tearful wonders of wildlife worker to Bigfoot um, sent him to the exhibit. If he was, it was to be sent to the exhibit, we shouldn't have any more rampages. We're going to use Bigfoot to test a new Alzheimer's drug, apparently, as well. So, these so th- th- these guys at the wonders of wildlife uh, exhibition uh, do have hopes and aspirations of catching Bigfoot. But I hear the best way of catching Bigfoot seriously is he's like any sort of commonal garden male student or a, a gentleman, you know, watching uh, soccer or American football on the TV. You just get him some cigarettes and alcohol and he's ready for anything. So, welcome along to a little, little game we like to call Dumpadummon. Anyway, smart toilet would capture your poop in a unique way. It's a perfect picture of health. A new smart toilet will take snapshots of your discharge, your feces, and send the images straight to a doctor for analysis a potential life save when it comes to colon cancer and other conditions the device which was developed by uh, Duke university will use an algorithm to examine the feces including whether blood is present we're optimistic about patient willingness to use this technology because it's something that can be installed in the toilet pipes and doesn't require the patient to do anything other than flush this could uh, eventually be useful for patients who live in long-term care facilities Who not be able to report their conditions on regular basis? So there we go we have the smart toilet. I wonder if they do they have an infrared and wide-angled camera lens. Uh, Yeah but but please I mean I know technology is moving forward but no scratch and sniff technology. And a rare cyclops pig was born in southern Brazilian state of Santa Clarina uh, which picture had no snout with a huge eye in the middle of its head. A nightmarish new photo shows a cyclops pig with a rare genetic mutation it's caused to be born with one large eye in the middle of its forehead and no snout. The rare piglet was born on rural property in Brinopolis, in southern Brasilia, state of Santa Catarina. A picture of the pig resembles a cyclops with one large eye in the middle of its forehead and a short trunk-like protrusion in place of a nose. Um, I wonder on the news site Pigpog, uh, this is what happens when you feed a pig Twinkies for life and users of budget teeth whitening kits may be left with nothing to smile about once a watchdog. Teeth whitening kits can be a health hazard as some are 300 times over the legal limit for bleaching agent hydrogen peroxide. While stars like TV tycoon Simon Cowell Liverpool manager Jürgen Klopp have their gnashes professionally fixed for dazzlingly bright smiles, Brits on a budget using products bought online could be putting themselves at risk of harm and investigation is revealed. A probe by Consumer Watchdog Witch found 21 out of uh, 36 teeth whitening Uh, available online exceeded the limit of hydrogen peroxide permitted for home use which can burn gums and cause permanent damage to teeth. Black teeth for the new black? Yeah baby, yeah, yeah baby! (coughs) So this week's entry into the wider woke club is the German farmer who fights for a cockerel's right to crow. A German farmer is defending her cockerel's right to crow in a court case that has attracted national attention and reinforced calls for the sounds of rural life to be protected as national heritage. The cockerel's being cancelled. Since 2018, Meister Ida, a mixed breed broad chested cockerel, has attempted to be cancelled and has been so annoying to a neighbour who demanded that it be cancelled and shut in a sandproof room at night and has now taken the owner, Karen Pfeiffer Rockenfeller, to court. She has countered that locking Meister Ida would harm his health because the sandproof required would also make his coop too warm. I mean, you don't want your coop too warm. Awful. I'm going to see this through to the end, she told the Times. I've been here 30 years and this is a farming area. If my neighbor is so sensitive to noise, she should move his bed out or put earplugs in. She said that Meister Eder, who lives with six hens, was no louder than any other cockerel and displayed the common behavior of his species crowing at sunrise or at when dawn chorus started. She referred to sound measurements undertaken by a television crew dispatched to her farm in the village of Aptweiler in southern Germany. They positioned their equipment at the border of her farm and the neighborhood property and found that Ma- Meister Ida's crowing was about 70 decibels when he was outside. Slightly quieter than a vacuum cleaner. The next morning at 5.30 when he emitted his first cock-a-doodle-doo while he was still in the coop, they measured 54.5 decibels about the volume of an electric toothbrush. The neighbour has filed a legal complaint and hearing is due to take place at the district court in the town of Bad Sonnebheim. Pfeiffer Rockefeller is concerned that she, if she gives in or loses the case, she may be told to keep her sheep and horses quiet too. They may be cancelled too. It's lambing season now and when I check up on them at night, they make noise welcoming me. She has also started campaigning in favour of a petition calling on Germany to follow France's example and pass a law to protect the sensory heritage of rural life. We cannot, we cannot cancel rural life. Maurice, a French counterpart of Meister, Ida, won a court case over his supposedly loud crowing in 2019 and became a symbol of campaigns to protect the sounds and smells of French countryside from the complaints of incoming urbanites. Uh, which the French Parliament put to law in January, the legislation came too late for Maurice. The German petition launched in June last year has won more than 37,000 supporters and is aimed at putting a stop to the increasing number of court cases disrupting and cancelling urban life. The petition cites a five-year-old battle over the clanking of cowbells in Bavaria during which judges from the Upper Regional Court of Munich visited an alpine farm to listen to the supposedly offending cattle. So they want to cattle, cancel cattle, and obviously the milk, and obviously the milk that makes the milk chocolate. Oh, it's awful! awful. Case ended last May with a settlement in which the farmer agreed to remove the traditional bells from all but three of the herd. I wanted to give a little message to my dearest sister, Matey, also known as Claire. So she's in a beach hut this Friday, the 28th, and it's her 40th birthday. So my sister is a lovely, wonderful sister. Uh, She did, um, you know, when we were both at school together, she did make me sit at the end of her table and peel her orange. And pour her juice out, which happened to be gravy, poured into the wrong glass. And uh, was scolded by the teacher. Uh, she did make fun of my nose to all of her friends and called me the nose at school. But I still love her absolutely dearly. She's a wondrous sister. Very, very kind. Huge heart. And she's actually, hopefully, it's dry on the beach this, uh, this weekend in a beach hut. And she's having a fabulous time. So... On the musical edition of the podcast, uh, we're going to take her back to, I think, 1993, where she had a thing for uh, men with greasy curtains who had good voices. And uh, she really did love Take That and I'm sure she'd love Pray. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. It's been lovely to have you here. As you said, there may be a little bit of sisterhood. There may be uh, some of my uh, dearest children, my daughters, joining me. Uh, for the second edition of the podcast this week. are lots of snark, uh, lots of banter, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. But there's two editions uh, of the podcast. The audio version is across all platforms, as I always say. And then there is a musical edition. It's like a butler jukebox, where some of my most select choices are being played on Spotify, and you can listen to my ramblings with music in between. So it's basically like Radio Gaga, you could say. Um, but uh, there we go. That's been the podcast. Uh, So, as I said, my sister's in a beach hut at the moment. Hopefully the weather's fine. We need to sort of do an anti-rain dance here. If it is raining, I hope there's lots of knotted handkerchiefs uh, and Southwesters and those sort of uh, cagoule condom-like things uh, whilst they're probably drinking Lady Petrol and uh, many cocktails as well. I'm sure they are uh, on the beach at the moment and pray there's no rain. But she did have a thing also back in about 1992, for uh, men completely bald and shaved heads, uh, shaved chests, everything shaved, basically. And um, she had a real real fondness for, um, uh, it wasn't the Bernie Cribben song, Right Said Fred, but the band, Right Said Fred. And uh, she was uh, too sexy for them. Uh, They definitely weren't sexy enough for her, but she was, in fact, deeply dippy about them. So every week on the podcast we do finish with a little bit of yacht rocks as we sail into the into the uh, sunset uh, with a little bit of yacht rock and always will be returning. A little bit of sand in the shoes, often no socks on, sand between the toes, sand's probably everywhere and lots of messing around in the dunes overall. Uh, But we finish with a poem. It's a poem for sisters, uh, for my delightful daughters and also my younger sister, who's actually really probably my big sister, Claire. Um, And um, I never had pigtails in my hair, but I do like this poem. Time will never change the love we share. Time has changed our secrets and pigtails in our hair. It has also changed the silly arguments and giggles that we shared. It has also changed our childish happiness to grown up, make believe and leaving us with little else, it slowly changed our dreams. Time has come along and changed the essence of our world, then finally and silently it's changed the little girls. But for having taken away the dreams and the simple things we shared before, time has led us to the lasting things we need each other for. Memories of moments that have made for us to share the crazy laughter that somehow always is there the hidden corners of our lives only we will ever know and the love that become deeper and sweeter as it grows time changes many things and some dreams come apart but nothing can reach or change the love for you that lives within my heart thank you for listening to podcast again i will be back again very jauntily like a rush through the air keep calm and cauliflower cheese 91 will be with you soon cheerio for now